everyone, and welcome to Minute 12 of Movie Rock Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Sean German of the Next Scene Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Sean. Well, it's my flight is now showing as delayed, so uh, I guess I've got time to do another minute. <laughs> Just don't talk to the guy next to you. No. No, I don't talk to strangers. Well, you, the whole idea is to make them no longer strangers. <laughs> oh, you're one of those. No, I'm not actually. Trust yeah, me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm definitely in in a world of Dells. I'm I'm a Neil. I've never gotten off any form of transportation, whether it was a plane, a train, a bus. I've never left the vehicle and known more people than I did when I got on. Yeah, when I was a I'm kid, def- I did that. I remember when I was a kid, I remember my parents took me to the park and something like that. And I came back and I had like these two new friends that I just randomly met and stuff like that. I mean, I, I never talked to these kids ever again, you know, but I, I was a very outgoing young child. How's that? I, I reached a point where I just didn't, don't do that anymore. You know, anyone who finds me, I'm either, you know, I got my head in a book or in my laptop or something, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking to people around me, yeah. <laughs> which is why I actually don't like to even travel with people I know for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> so yep exactly so minute 12 begins with Dell continuing to talk Neil's ear off and ends with Neil trying to nudge Dell back into his own space yeah so as we were talking about yesterday they're sitting on the plane and Neil is trying to just read his GQ you know his article about Kevin Costner that a friend of his wrote or whatever it is or pretending to do that who knows and Dell just wants to talk to him, and he keeps asking all these questions. And as much as Neil tries to brush him off, it just doesn't work. So the last thing he told Dell was, is that you know he's he's trying to he's busy. And Dell says, "Yeah, you know nothing grinds my gears worse than some chatterhead who doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut." You catch me running off the mouth, just give me a <laughs> poke in the chops, and then he begins to grunt as he as he yeah. does that. So. I, I've seen this movie so many times, and I never thought about the dialogue about what he's saying. Okay, now, I mean, you're 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 from New England, but do you know what a chatterhead is? Yeah, I I'm not too familiar with that saying. As much as um, you know, I'm a, a big fan of the New England chowder. I guess it's just like a you know a jerk or a moron. I don't know if I've heard that phrase much outside of this film. Okay, well, so I I went and did a little bit of a search to see what what the phrase chowderhead actually means. So the first thing it says, it's not something that came from either New England or Manhattan, which most people think it deals with that. Most people believe that it's you're basically saying that someone has clam chowder for brains or something like that. But no, that's that's not what they're talking about. According to to Merriam-Webster, it's actually a mispronounced mispronunciation of jolterhead, which was a derivative of a 16th century insult, which you called someone a jolt head or a blockhead. You know, someone with a heavy head. Mm-hmm. Okay. And somehow that turned into chowderhead. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in the, in, in the urban dictionary, they actually say that it's, <laughs> it's a derogatory term for someone from Eastern Massachusetts because of the amount of chowder the area provides and ingests. It's also a derogatory term used by Yankee fans to describe Red Sox fans. 
<laughs> and it also <laughs> could just be someone who's calling someone else stupid or maybe an airhead or something like that. So, yeah. Dell's got a lot of sayings, and we'll get a couple of them uh, later in the week and, and throughout yeah. the film. The other thing, so the, the chowder head is interesting. The other thing he says, you catch me running off at the mouth, just give me a poke of the chops. And I now, we'll, we'll get there. We'll weird. get there. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Oh, sorry. I don't want to <laughs> jump ahead. You're, jump, you're <laughs> jumping ahead a few seconds here. A few seconds. Right. So continuing with chowder. So another phrase of chowder, it's a popular term for cocaine. Oh, okay. yeah. I did not know that. In in the southern and mid-Atlantic regions, in the southern and mid-Atlantic regions, a chowder is someone who is a cokehead, you know, who uses chowder. cocaine. Yeah. Okay. And chowderheadism is a mindset amongst residents of coastal Massachusetts that results in cramming people, objects, or explanations into insufficient small confines, whether they be tangible or not. An example, they say, taking into account the game of baseball and space needed to play in, the design of Fenway Park clearly shows a chowderheadism on the part of James McLaughlin Construction Company because there's not enough room for everybody there. They're just cramming them in. <laughs> So okay. I, I found that interesting that, uh, you know, the connections between those. Yeah. Now, what about the, the phrase grind my gears? Did you ever hear that one before? I've heard, yeah, grind my gears. I've heard that. I haven't given much too, too much thought to it. If you've ever, if you've, you've worked with anything mechanical when the gears get ground, yeah. um, basically means it's going to stop working. So I kind of understand that. Right. So based on the research that I did, there's a lot of people who believe that it comes from the family guy. But the origination of this phrase is from this movie. So really? Guess, yeah, that, that's what I found. Again, it could be that that's incorrect. Oh. As, as we know with the internet, <laughs> certain things you can, <laughs> you know, you can find and you just, there's no way of verifying whether it's the truth or not. So it's a little bit of a problem. So now we'll, we'll get to what you're just talking about with chops. Okay. Now, I always thought that if you're jabbing someone in the chops, you're jabbing them in the ribs. That, that was my definition of chops because you've, you've heard it a lot. It's something that, that you hear often in movies and in books and stuff like that, where people say, I'm going to bust them in the chops or something like that. You know, here's poke them in the chops. So yeah. I, I actually looked it up and chops is actually either the jaw or mouth. Right. And that's, that kind of, what's kind of confused me because that's what I thought when you say like, Oh, you know, punch someone in the chops is like, you know, punch them in the jaw. Whereas, like, yeah, if you're if someone's being annoying or, or, you know, falling asleep and is snoring in your ear on your shoulder, then kind of poke them in, poke them in the ribs, poke them in the stomach. Yeah, exactly. So the 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 the, the poke in the chops, I thought, was an odd saying. Yeah, no, it's definitely an odd saying. There's no question about that. I mean, but yeah. but as we know, <laughs> Dell has some very odd sayings that we're gonna hear throughout this entire movie, and this, mm -hmm. this goes along with it by the way that he says it. And so another explanation about chops, which another use of chops, which makes more sense and ex makes it explain the fact that it is talking about the jaws or the mouth is it's the fleshy covering of the jaws, a dog licking its chops. So that I've heard. Right, before. Yeah. Licking, Someone's yeah, licking, licking, your chops. licking your chops. So basically you're, you know, you are licking your, your mouth, your lips, jaw, something like that. Yeah. So yeah. So is Dell saying yeah, poke him, poke him in the, poke him in the jaw, poke him in the jowls. He's basically poke saying him in the chops. He's saying just, just uh, punch me. 
the yeah. the, the script actually talks about this a little bit also we'll we'll get there later later in this minute <laughs> mm -hmm. and the whole time <laughs> neil is just trying to avoid having to talk to this guy <laughs> and then he starts like scratching himself and he's making motions as if he's like choking or stuff like that which is it's just really funny it's it, it doesn't reach the point where he's like you know sticking his finger in his mouth showing that you know just gag me or whatever but he, he you can mm -hmm. see how uncomfortable he is by this whole thing mm -hmm. yeah and this is kind of what i was referring to yesterday kind of where it's a little bit more than um just being uncomfortable with or, you know, just not wanting to talk with the guy. He's kind of like pulling at his his collar, like either he's hot under the collar, or he's having trouble breathing. Um, you know, he, he just seems very uncomfortable in this position. And that's even before, um, you know, I'm talking about like the first 10 seconds of, of this minute. That's even before Dell starts to <laughs> disrobe, you know, starts to take off his shoes yeah. and other things where um, it's going to get a lot more uncomfortable and it's going to get a lot harder to breathe, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, as you just mentioned, Dell then open starts unlace, unlacing his shoes and takes his shoes off, and is in complete ecstasy by the, yeah. the way that he's taking <laughs> off his his shoes and he's rubbing his feet and he says, "My oh, that feels good. Oh God, I'm telling you, my dogs are barking today. My dogs are barking today. Now, have you ever heard that phrase before? No, I've I've, I've heard that phrase." I don't know if you did any research on the origin, you know, re referring to dogs, which, which I, which, I mean, I've used that phrase myself, but I'm pretty sure I got it from this film. The, right. Now I'm referring to the feet as dogs that are barking. I've never used that phrase before. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so basically dogs are barking means that, that your feet hurt. It's an old expression mm -hmm. typically associated with the South. And especially mm -hmm. con concentrated around the Appalachian mountain chain. Older usage didn't connote smelly or dirty feet, just sore feet. So mm -hmm. originally people just referred to it as sore feet, but now they talk about, you know, maybe it's a, your feet smell a little bit. Now you have the whole idea of, of shoes, hush puppies, right? It's named okay. with reference to this expression. My dogs are barking because in the case oh. of hush puppies, they're supposedly so comfortable that you can quiet your puppies, basically saying that wearing our shoes are going to stop your feet from hurting. So it, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, the the original person who used the phrase was a journalist who wrote in the New York Evening Journal in the 1800s by the name of T. Dorgan. And they say that he actually coined a lot of different phrases often using rhyming slang, but the, the phrase it originally was uh, dog meat, which originally, which then became feet. So, it, mm -hmm. you know, it used to be that, that the, my, I guess my dog meat is barking or something like that. I don't know. So the term, my dogs are barking is also popularized throughout the world by, uh, by American servicemen. For some reason in the army, that's something that's very popular too, right? I'm not really sure the whole idea of the dog meat doesn't, I mean, we, we talked last week about hot dogs and dog meat, but <laughs> I don't think there's really much of a connection to, to <laughs> shoes and dog meat at this point. Yeah, yeah. 
And I mean, he takes off his shoes. Now, I don't know if you noticed this when last week, when they were, when they were sitting and waiting in the terminal, he also had his shoes off and was walking around bare, uh, you know, in his, in his socks. Most, I, I never oh, noticed I, that before I did that, before I, before I started doing research for this one. So this isn't even yeah, the first time. Yeah, I had time. not noticed that either. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's a guy who, who likes to take off his shoes and, well, I mean, again, he's, he, if he's a salesman, that means he's walking around a lot. So his dogs must really be barking. Yeah, I guess he, you know, he probably did done a lot of walking that day, particularly being in Manhattan and lugging that, uh, the, the case around yeah. his trunk. So, um, it can't, it can't smell good, but I like that when you, the, um, you know, that he had his shoes off earlier. That's one thing John Hughes is really good about. Um, and you see it in other films like Home Alone, where there's a lot of, there's a lot of callbacks, a lot of little things that, you know, could be nothing, but then they end up coming back, um, at least being referred to later in the film. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, like, uh, I'm sure you covered it, the, um, like, uh, you know, even, I mean, and we're, we're, you know, 10 minutes, not even 15 minutes into the film so far, but there's already been multiple things like that, uh, you know, Neil tripped over the case yes. or the trunk while he was in Manhattan and seeing the shower curtain rings and the puddle and, yes. and other things that mm-hmm. are coming back. So, so it makes sense that we would have seen uh, Dell without his shoes in the, in the airport. Yeah. Again, I, I didn't notice it, but absolutely makes sense for, um, for the character and for, uh, for John Hughes to, uh, to think of that. Yeah, completely. So at this point he then takes off his, he begins taking off his socks and he's now in even greater ecstasy than he was before. Uh-huh. He starts moaning by, by taking his socks off. Yeah. And you can clearly see that Neil is is appalled by all this, you know, as he should be. And and then Dell starts swinging his socks around in like a circular yeah. motion. <laughs> I mean, can you can you get more annoying than that? I mean, that's almost something that you like, is, is this guy doing it on purpose? Is he purposely trying to be annoying? Like I could see, yeah, he's been walking around all day. His feet are sore. He wants to take his shoes off. Okay. Um, you know, that's sort of just a natural thing that he might thoughtlessly do, but the waving the socks around, like, how does that make him feel better? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Other than, you know, it, it just makes the people around him feel worse. Right. And also if, if my foot was, was bothering me, I don't think necessarily taking off the sock is going to make it that much freer and feel better. I'd, I'd want to start, I don't know, maybe start rubbing your foot at that point. I don't know. So we, we also get a, a brief shot of the, the third person in their row. So mm-hmm. it, it's a famous actor yeah, who's, who's been in a Bill lot of Irwin. things. Bill Irwin, exactly. He was born on the 2nd of December, 1914, and he passed away of old age mm-hmm. uh, on the 29th of December, 2010, at the age of 96. He had been in... 191 different TV shows, his different credits. He was in uh, over a course of 56 years from 1950 to 2006. He has 50 movie credits, uh, which over a period of 60 years from 1941 to 2001, he was actually in three John Hughes movies. He's in this movie. He's in Home Alone and he's in She's Having a Baby. Yeah. And for me, he's always the most famous besides obviously seeing him here is uh, he was in two episodes of Seinfeld where he played an old man that they were volunteering with in the, the whole goiter episode. I don't know if you're, if you remember that or not. Hmm. No, I, I 
don't remember that. Yeah. Um, I tell so, yeah, I mainly know him from, uh, you know, from this scene, from the, from this film. Uh, he did an episode of Star Trek, the next generation. Uh, I remember him from that. And then also was in a, an episode of married with children oh, wow. back in the eighties. And I remember that. So, but I mean, like you pretty much just throw a dart, you know, put up the, the name of every TV series ever on the wall and throw a dart. And you probably hit a series that, um, that bill was in at least an episode or two. Yeah, probably. Probably. That's very true. And then the, the, the lights go off in the cabin, which to me is very strange. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've, when I fly, you know, I usually fly international. So it's a long flight and there is a certain point where they will turn off the lights. But if you're flying from New York to Chicago, even if you're being diverted to some other place, which we'll talk about tomorrow where he's being diverted mm-hmm. to, but you'd think that they're not going to have everyone go to sleep. You know, it's not the middle of the night. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later in the, in the week about the exact time of where we think things are, but let's say, I mean, they're, they're according to, to O'Hare, the, you know, the flight at the beginning, the, the shot at the beginning of, of yesterday's episode, they're supposed to come in, I think at, what was it? Eight thirty. 9:30. Was it 8:45, 8:30 something? Yeah. No, it was originally it was originally supposed to be 9 uh, 6 6:45 and I think it was supposed to come in now at, at 8:30. So, mm-hmm. we're not talking about a very late flight. So, for them to turn off right. the lights to have a completely pitch dark uh airplane is a little strange for me. It's a little I mean, again, it's done for the purpose of of the the jokes that they're about to 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 give us, but still. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I imagine they, they, you know, the lights are on for takeoff. They take off, the lights are on for a little bit. They turn off the lights for maybe a half hour before, okay, we, we, we're we on our approach. Uh, you know, if things had gone well, we're on our approach to O'Hare and we're, we're, we're turning the lights back on. So certainly not enough time for you to get a, a good night's rest. But exactly. It kind of, but it, it works in the context of the film. For me, at least, it gives the impression of, the yeah, passage completely. Of time. I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm just saying that logically, it doesn't make sense. But, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, logically, it is uh, a little, right. a little. So odd. Then we get a shot of Neil uh, sitting. He's got his glasses on. He's he's reading, and we have uh, Bill Irwin sleeping on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's getting it from both sides. We've got right. Bill Irwin on the in the window seat, who's kneeling and and snoring, and coughing. And we've got he's Del. coughing on him. Because I mean, again, this, this you know this movie was made 35 years ago, so they didn't know anything about COVID at that time. But nowadays, if you were if you were well, yeah. sitting on a plane and someone's coughing on you, <laughs> you're not going to be too pleased. Oh yeah, no, no one in, no one on this flight is wearing a mask. Like exactly thinking. It's, it's <laughs> I I still watch old movies and can't understand why people are hugging one another and why people are so close to each other. I keep saying <laughs> separate yourselves a little bit, a little bit of space. But I guess that's that's the way the world has changed us, the way that we think of things. And mm-hmm. Neil then just like looks over and sees Bill Bill Irwin on his shoulder. He's like startled when he starts coughing. <laughs> and, and then you know he's he's not happy. And then he looks over at Dell, and he sees Dell fast asleep, completely comfortable with his yeah. you know just looking straight. 
with his eyes closed, but but facing Neil's face the entire time. And we'll have to wait until tomorrow to find out what actually happens with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this is pretty much my nightmare because I'm I'm like Neil where I you know he he doesn't you know he doesn't wake up. Uh, you know, the old man, he doesn't, you know, poke him in the chops or anything to get this guy off his shoulder, but he's clearly very uncomfortable where yeah. I'm like in a similar position where I don't want to, I don't want to interact with a stranger any more than I have to, but I also don't want this person coughing on my shoulder. No, like definitely not. This is, yeah. This is a horrible situation. Poor, Completely. poor Neil. The guy just wants to get home to his family for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Do you, do you have anything else for, for this minute itself? We're, we're going to, we have other things to talk about, but about what we just talked about, do you have anything do you want to add to those? Uh, no, I think I think right. okay, well, right. so the differences in uh, the script there there are some differences which we're, we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about in detail in a few minutes when when we get to that also, but basically, there's the whole Dill starts talking about smoking <laughs> he talks about. Basically, his his entire line about the chowderhead is nothing grinds my gears worse than than some chowderhead who doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut. They've got no smoking signs. They ought to have no talking signs. <laughs> Which probably would have fit in for <laughs> Dell also at that point. I, I understand why uh, why they would have said that. Mm-hmm. Now he also says if if you catch me running off at the mouth, give me a good poke in the nose. You know he doesn't he doesn't say nose. poke in the chops. And then Neil pulls out his briefcase, which is like a crushed briefcase, and you see all his all his papers falling out and stuff like that. And then Dell starts asking him what happened to, to your briefcase. He says, look like a vehicle ran over it. Now, we know that happened because of Dell <laughs> last week. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he basically asks, then Dell starts starts quizzing him on whether he bought the briefcase or got it as a gift. And so Neil doesn't really want to respond to him. So Delvin basically says, oh, mine too is a gift. I got it from the company for getting the, sh- the shower ring contract for the U.S. Navy. And then he says, you know how many rings that baby was worth? And Neil goes, I have no idea. And he says, 37 million. Neil smiles and, and, and opens his report. <laughs> So then Dell says, I figure that over, over the next years, several millions of sailors are going to use those showers with our rings. And if they take the time to inquire about the rings and they feel they're, they're good rings, when they get out of the service and consider shower rings, they'll select ours. So again, it's completely understood why they're actually, why they cut this out. There's no, no reason why it should be here anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they, they actually have a shot in Neil's house with a conversation between Neil's daughter and his wife where, you know, the daughter asks, when's he going to be home? And the answer is soon. And then she asks, will I see grandma and grandpa first or will I see daddy first? And then she says, grandma and grandpa aren't coming until tomorrow afternoon. Dad will be here when you wake up, <laughs> which we know doesn't happen. <laughs> and then she wants to make sure that he'll come to school, come to her school to see her in the pageant which is something that is will come up later in the movie when we talk about the, the, the pageant. And then they have a whole discussion about uh, ordering special meals, which, again, we'll talk about in a few moments because there is something that, that we're going to 
basically there is one long deleted scene that's two and a half minutes that Sean and I will discuss briefly. We're not going to go too much into detail of it, even though even though we could <laughs> and we probably shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So basically, the rest of of the script deals with that, except for the fact that that we have another shot in the first first class cabin where the stewardess and Larry have a conversation and you can see that there's like tons of different, you know, that you see how they treat people in first class and you see that there's a lot of empty seats. Mm -hmm. So, right. So basically <laughs> we have this deleted scene, yeah. which for some reason it's the only deleted scene that has ever been released for this movie. It's a, I think two minute and 34 second deleted scene and it mm -hmm. takes place entirely on the plane and it shows basically a bunch of different things that happen. I understand why they cut it. You know, we get to see that the, 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 the plane is completely packed and that the, the stewardess is busy and everyone's bothering her and everything like that. And she, she basically says, all right, everybody, if you don't quit asking me for stuff, nobody's getting anything. <laughs> and then we see them have, have their meal. Yeah. And again, I'm not going to go too much into detail about this. Maybe we'll do a special episode at some point talking about how specific, you know, specifically everything that happens here. But basically the food is terrible. Neil doesn't like what he got. He gets this lasagna that apparently doesn't look like lasagna anymore. And Dell basically tells him that mm -hmm. that's because they keep reheating it. And we see we see the food that Dell has. He's gotten and Dell then gives an explanation as to what type of food he orders where. He says it depends on the airline, he orders special meals. In this airline I get seafood salad. On American I go with the kosher plate. In United I say I'm a youngster and I get the kitty plate which is a hot dog, potato chips, a gherkin, and a little package of Oreos. Do you know what a gherkin is? Uh, it, I think it's like a small pickle. Yeah. Yes. I, look, I looked that up. <laughs> I had no idea what a gherkin was. And so they, they have this little interaction about the food. Neil basically decides that he doesn't want to eat yeah. it. And then Dell starts giving away his food. <laughs> Dell takes part of it for himself. He gives a little bit of it to Bill Irwin. And then he wants to give away... Neil's brownie and Neil doesn't want to give away the brownie. And then we get like this mass of hair from the person seated in front of him that just completely covers the brownie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at this point he's completely grossed out. Now I don't know how that could really happen in real life because even if someone has very long hair, what are the chances that they're going to shift their hair to be on the back <laughs> of their plane recliner? Yeah. this. So it, it is pretty, it, it's gross. <laughs> it's gross looking at it. And then, and then Dell and Bill Irwin argue over who's going to get it, and they decide to, <laughs> to split the brownie between the two of them. So yeah, I mean, it adds a little bit more humor to the to the whole trip that Neil and Dell are taking, but it doesn't really add much to the story itself. It's it drags along a little too much, and it, I, I think it's just along with a lot of the parts of the script that have been cut out. Yeah, there are things that just drag on too much, and. You know, we want to get to the point of what's happening, and we don't want to. We don't want to hate the characters. We want to still find them. We want to still find Dell lovable, even though he can be annoying at certain points. But if they were to go too much into it, I think we would start to to despise him and and you know not like him at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree with it uh, being deleted. And, and listeners, if if you're not familiar with the scene, if uh, I know for me, it came on on my my DVD copy of the film had it as an extra. Um, it's yeah, also up on, on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, just like search for planes, trains, and automobiles deleted scene. But I could kind of see where, uh, you know, it gives us a lot of things we already know, kind of telling us that 
um, you know, Dell's the road warrior for, you know, the salesman who does a lot of travel. Um, so the, of course he would know what, you know, what meal to ask for on which airline. Um, it kind of gives us more of Neil as kind of the put upon victim of circumstance and, um, you know, kind of make us sympathetic to him, to all the things that are happening going on. And also uh, going back to Dell, giving us someone who doesn't have, um, I guess, very comfortable in social situations and doesn't have much of a filter and kind of doesn't think much of, oh, you're not going to eat that. Okay, I'll, you know, I'll take it and I'll, I'll split it with this exactly. complete stranger that we have <laughs> over here. And then uh, a little bit presumptuous. So when, when, you know, Neil says he's, well, he's not interested in the meal and, and Dell goes, well, you know, kind of jumps to uh, the the brownie. I don't know if, you know, saying you're not interested in the entree. I don't know if that automatically, if if, if one should assume that applies to dessert and the brownie as well. But you know, Dell, um, uh, you know, Dell isn't one much for 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 uh, uh, boundaries. Um, but we kind of we you know we yes. we know that about Dell. We kind of get hammered with that message again and again. So we don't necessarily need to see it one more time. But we get you know a little bit more of of Bill Irwin. I mean, he's got. Other than basically, sleep, you know, sleeping and coughing on, on Neil's shoulder, we don't get much of, uh, you know, that old man character. So we can, you know, it's a little bit more of him. Um, that's nice, especially yeah. especially with with a few few points where where he doesn't quite hear well. Yeah, you know, they say to him, "Do you, excuse me, sir, would you like a bun?" And he says, "Yeah, it's fun. Flying's <laughs> fun." <laughs> and he goes, "No, no, no. Would you like the bun?" And he goes, "What's that?" <laughs> he says, "I'm offering you a bun." speak up you want the bun no i just yeah but so it yeah it's a fun little scene i kind of see how uh why it was deleted also you'd have to i mean if they decided to include it they'd have to cut out the the previous bits with um uh you know with everyone sort of sleeping on neil's shoulder because uh, you know, it's even with weather, it's not that far. Even going to Wichita, it's not that long of a flight to think that they're going to have meal service and they're going to have time to turn out all the lights so everyone can go to sleep. Um, right. the, the flight, you know, this is not a, you know, transatlantic or or coast to coast flight. You kind of do one or the other. And um, yeah, I mean, the little bits with, you know, kind of leaning on Neil's shoulder and him being uncomfortable in the middle seat is accomplished, uh, you know, much more efficiently with the, the lights out and, and, and people sleeping than it is with yeah, it's about three and a half minutes, this scene. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. It, it's good. It's amusing, but can totally agree and, you know, see why it got cut. And, um, you know, I think it's the, the movie is, is perfect without it. So it's fine. Yeah, completely. I completely agree with that. All right. You have anything else for this minute? Uh, no, I think that, that covers it. it covers my notes for All this right. minute. So yeah. today we will once again, Give everyone a little short story of Off the Beaten Track, where myself or my guest will will tell us a, a little adventure or misadventure that they might have had at some point in their lives, whether it's traveling by plane, by train, by automobile, or any other method of travel. So, Sean, you have another one for everybody? Yeah, I have um, another kind of flight-related uh, story. Uh, so I was um, – so I – I live up in New England. I was down in uh, Delaware a few years ago on business and um, had a, uh, and I, I'm originally from New Jersey and still most of my family is in New Jersey. We had, a, I'll just say, a, you know, sort of a family emergency. So I was in Delaware on business, um, was planning to, to um, I believe I had, yeah, I'd flown down, I'd rented a car 
down in uh, Delaware to get back and forth for um, you know my business stuff. Uh, was scheduled to fly back to New England at the end of the week. I had um, a, you know family thing came up. I had to uh, change. I pushed out my flights. Figured let me stay down here, uh, keep the rental car an extra couple of days, drive up to New Jersey, do the family stuff I needed to do. And uh, my uh, during that time, so my my brother in law, my sister's husband. Uh, was planning on going on a trip, uh, and he had, um, uh, you know, he had to postpone his flight by by a couple of days as well. But then he was flying out of the Philadelphia airport, which was the same airport um, I was going to be flying out of. So he's like, "Hey, can you? You're going to be up in in New Jersey. We're doing the family stuff. We both need to go to the airport. Can you give me a ride?" So I'm like, "Oh, absolutely." Um, so we're driving down from, uh, from North Jersey, heading down to the Philly airport. And I think we're, we're most of the way there. We're, we're almost to Philadelphia and he's kind of preparing for his flight. He's going through and making sure he has everything he needs. And he realizes he doesn't, um, he doesn't have his wallet. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have any identification. He doesn't have his credit cards. I don't even think he had the, the, the tickets. And this is, this is. After 9-11 and in the, um, you know, in the, the time range where we, we, where we had cell phones, but I think it was before everything went electronic where you could have your, you know, you know just show your phone for your ticket and all that. So he, he didn't have the, the paper ticket. He didn't have ID. He didn't have anything he needed. Um, so we needed to quickly turn around. He called my sister, you know, his wife to be like, listen, uh, can you, you know, Find my wallet, find my tickets, get everything together, start driving south. We'll, we're turning around. We're driving north. We're going to meet in the middle. Um, and I don't know. Apparently, he knew some landmark or some uh, gas station or a mall somewhere where we could stop. <laughs> we stop. We, we meet my sister. He gets his wallet, his credit cards, his ID, the tickets and everything. We jump in the car. And at this point, we are um, – we're not going to make the flight. Now, I am – I guess I'm, I, I would say I generally – I drive above the speed limit, um, but probably I get past as much as I do the passing. I don't think of myself as a speed demon, but in this case, I am. Uh, you know, we're we're way late for um, for my brother in law's flight. I am weaving in and out of traffic. Um, I don't think I went on the shoulder more than once or twice to get around people, but I am. Um, you know, I'm channeling channeling my inner Steve McQueen. Like I never have wow. before trying to get <laughs> my brother-in-law to, uh, to the airport. I am driving like a demon, like I've never driven before, trying to get him to the airport. Um, we get there, and I think we get there. It's like 10 or 15 minutes before the scheduled time for the flight to take off. I uh, And then he – I mean he's still got to – and that's not even getting there in time because he's still got to run through the airport and get through security and everything else. Um, I hightail it. I drive as, as fast as I think I can safely without getting pulled over or killing us. I, you know, I screech to a halt in front of, uh, you know, the, the terminal at the drop off. I don't even think I fully stopped before he is the doors open. He is leaping out of the car and he is sprinting into the airport. And I find out later he, they held the flight. I don't know if there was some other reason or if they were just waiting for him. For him? But he made it. He made it to to the flight. But uh, so another another happy ending. But uh, that was certainly a lot of uh, adrenaline pumping, heart pumping, 
Um, I don't think I've ever driven like that. I don't think I ever could again. I don't know how we made it to, uh, <laughs> I'm still amazed that he made the flight, but uh, yeah, we, we, I, I, we did some fancy driving that day. Um, that's wow. for sure. Well, great story. Thank you. Thank you again for such a great story. Sean. Oh, well, thank you for humoring me. Why not? I'm not humoring you. Not at all. I, I like hearing these stories. Yeah. Why are we doing the off the beaten track? Because we all want to hear about different yeah. people's experiences. Not everyone's experiences are like Neil's and Dill's. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> and and, and it, just, despite so many stories, so many of my uh, interesting <laughs> travel stories involving flights, I I will still fly. I still willingly fly on occasion, um, and and oftentimes it it goes according to plan and, and does not end up in a in a story that I can tell on a podcast. But there there are plenty of times where uh, where it did. So Apparently. <laughs> All right. Do you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Uh, so once again, I am from uh, Next Scene Podcast. But before that, I did something similar to what uh, you're doing with planes, trains, and automobiles. I covered the movie Groundhog Day one minute at a time with our buddy Dave Palace. And we called that Groundhog Minute. And you can find that at GroundhogMinute.com. All right. And while you're doing that, and you can go rate and review and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. And you can find me at Movie Rob Minute on Facebook, on Twitter, on my website. All right, Sean, you want to come back in tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I guess my, my flight isn't boarding yet. So uh, it looks like I have time. So, yeah, I would love to come back. All right. Well, until then, you're f***. <laughs> you're f***. <laughs>